and welcome to Connected, episode 338. It is made possible by our sponsors, Pingdom, ExpressVPN, and Delete Me. My name is Stephen Hackett, and it is an even episode, so I get to introduce my friend Federico Vitici first. Hello. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. Well, I'm upset about something, but I'm also fine at the same time. You can be both upset and fine if you, you know, if you try and, you know, people can separate feelings. Interesting. Maybe if it's you weren't upset, I, you'd be good. But because you're upset, you're fine. Then I'm upset and good. Like I can, you know, put the, the upset feeling in a little jar. And then when I think about it, I get upset. But otherwise, I'm good. I'm going to take the upset feeling, I'm going to put it in a drawer, I'm going to push it deep, deep down in the drawer, lock the drawer, and I'll be fine. I finally (laughs) explode. (laughs) You don't want to talk to me on the podcast when I'm like that. Yeah. (laughs) Mike, how are you? Oh, I'm I'm both good and fine. Perfect. So, no problems here. It's got your emotion in jars on a shelf. You go pick one up, examine it, Mm -hmm. put it back. We should start the show with follow-up and not feelings. Although this follow-up item is about feelings. Okay. I've been running the iOS 14.5 beta. Mm. I don't remember why I put the beta on because I haven't put the beta on the Apple Watch, which I don't wear, to unlock it with a face mask thing. So I don't, I don't, I just realized like, I'm not sure why I'm running the beta. Anyways, I have the beta on my phone and I've got, I listen to Apple Music. I've got an Apple Music account, but I have Spotify installed. And I've gotten just really exhausted of Siri via CarPlay asking me, uh, what music service would you like to play that album on? And so I... Why do you... Don't you like your assistant to be intelligent? I would like my assistant to have a setting and I could just pick. (laughs) And so I have uninstalled Spotify for my phone to keep it from asking me. Um, This reminded me, I think it stopped or maybe after like five years, mine has finally learned. But... HomePod Siri has this deal with like, hey, you know, tell me the news. And it says, this is the news from, our, ours is set to NPR. It said, if you want, I can also play news from Fox or whoever else. It's like, I don't need you to tell me every single time that I can change the news source. Like, if you just had a setting, like the Amazon voice assistant does, I could just say, when I ask for the news, pull it from this source. I don't want to hear about these other ones. It's just, I don't know why Apple all of a sudden is allergic to having this as a setting. And so anyways, I did what Apple wanted. I rage uninstalled Spotify. So you Ah. win. (laughs) That is what they wanted. (laughs) You're playing the game now. Yes. Um, Well... I can. Uh, we talked about this a few episodes ago. I can. I continue to confirm, and I wrote this in the in my story that will be out. Uh, I'm working on a story like a. It's not a review, but it's like a this sort of a overview uh, about 14.5, um, which I usually don't do because I'm usually exhausted after my annual reviews. Mm. Uh, but this update felt like I like I really wanted to write about it, and so I'm writing about it. It's been a while too, though. It's been a while, and so I can kind of, you know, get a little like writing exercise done. It's fine. Uh, it's good for me. And I wrote in the story, like, I can confirm that it's been t- over two months that I've been using 14.5. I didn't see any further prompts to 
pick a different music service. And I've tried a bunch of things. I've also tried the method suggested in the quote-unquote clarification that Apple sent to TechCrunch. Like, hey, when you ask for uh, playing a playlist or a radio station to a different app and you specify like in Pandora or in Spotify, uh, Siri may prompt you again. Uh, but nope. I, I don't get those prompts. Like, I chose Spotify months ago, and it's stuck with that. So, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe only CarPlay Siri is, in, is the intelligent one, and the one on the phone <laughs> is like a small brain. CarPlay Siri is big brain, mm. making, you know, having all those prompts. Um, maybe it's actually the opposite, and, like, they just haven't properly I, got this setting running for uh, the CarPlay version. Is that even possible? I don't know. Like it's 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 impossible to tell, right? Because obviously there's no page in settings. Mm -hmm. It's like everything is invisible here, and it's so it's so strange how the whole thing is. Like I I get it. the The idea of a default. We t again we talked about this a while back. The idea of a default for audio is essentially different from browsers and email clients for. If anything, because browsers and email clients, they have a consistent URL scheme that you can use to launch them, right? It's HTTP for browsers and mail to for emails. There's no such thing as a URL scheme for audio. Like, there's no unified linking system for podcasts, right? So, obviously, the idea of what's a default it mostly involves Siri. So I get it why you're asking Siri, hey, I want to listen to music via Spotify. Like, makes sense. But it's the whole idea of that request is invisible. It only exists within the memory of Siri. There's no proof of it in settings. And the whole thing is weird. I I'd still, like, I, I, I can read Apple's clarification, I can even understand it to an extent. I still disagree with it. I still think it doesn't make a lot of sense. In your uh, article, you, you linked to something about what Spotify are doing. And uh, I just wanted to just make reference to it here, that you uh, seem to be very happy using Spotify for your podcast listening. Now. Um, it's one of those things that you can admit that you're liking, but also you can feel bad about it at the same time. It's sort of like yeah. eating too much chocolate. Um, yeah. Yes, so I, I, I'm liking it. Like I was just listening to you and Gray, Mike, and catching up on Cortex. And it's the like this morning I was finally um, listening to the new Obama and Bruce Springsteen uh, Spotify original <laughs> show. It's, How is it's, that? It's actually really nice. Okay. Uh, it's the. It's a, it's a couple of dads fun. just chilling. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's Barack Obama and Bruce Springsteen. I mean, it's they actually talk about serious stuff too. I don't know. I like it. I like the idea of you open the Spotify app, and in the single homepage you have both kinds of audio. Now I get it. This is either something that you love or something that you hate. I yesterday on Twitter. I got a lot of people saying this is exactly why I switched from Spotify to Apple Music because I was tired of Spotify, you know, pushing too aggressively these podcasts that I don't really want on the homepage because all I want is music. And I totally get it. I totally understand. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, I also got replies from people saying something along the lines of that is my favorite um 
my favorite uh, thing about Spotify, having access to both kinds of audio so that no matter, like when I know that I want to listen to something, I can choose from the same app or even I can have a queue uh, of audio that mixes and matches both music and podcasts so that if I want to go out for a walk or out for a run, I can have like 10 minutes of a, of a short podcast and then some music and then another interview. So I think it's something that you either like or fundamentally dislike. Mm-hmm. I'm liking it so far. And I know there's always those people that ask me, how can you live without chapter markers and, you know, all those, like, I totally understand a lot of people are really serious about their podcast listening habits. They want to have all kinds of controls. Me, personally, I never use chapters. And all I do is I hit play. And if my girlfriend is talking to me, I press pause. I don't skip around. I don't use chapters. I don't open show notes. <laughs> like, I just listen to the audio. It, and it's fine. People could do as they please. But just like for me, for me personally, I just diametrically opposed to the idea of of thinking i want to listen to audio right like oh i would like audio let me open my audio app and then what kind of audio would i like would i like music or podcast like my brain doesn't think that way okay like, is you, you know it just uh, i think like i want to listen to a podcast so i open my podcast app you know what i mean and i'm not saying one is right or one is wrong this is just a, a preference thing mm-hmm. but it's like as you mentioned like you know i you know i open up spotify and i choose what would i like to listen to i'm never in that like it's okay I either want music or I want a podcast. Like I, I would never choose one or the or the other because I was prompted. Like I okay. always know what I want before I start the process. All right, and and I guess that's really where we're where we're different, maybe because I like there's there's many times during the day like when I'm um, uh, washing the dishes, for example, and like I want to have something in the background because I'm not interested in what's on TV, for example. Yeah, and I like. Yeah. I just want to have some stuff going on. And then I open Spotify. And I guess what I like is because of the recommendations, I don't have to make a decision. And I think the the older I get, the more I appreciate stuff that removes decisions from my life, like having to make decisions sure. all the time. And so it's like I open it and it's like, hey, dude, here's a podcast. Here's a music you could like. And I appreciate that. That it's like, oh, you're making it easy for me to play something so mm-hmm. but i totally understand why a lot of people don't like it i also feel like podcasts aside what spotify is doing on the homepage is a lot more interesting than what apple is doing in the listen now tab what they're doing with the uh, they have this update coming out this month uh, they're adding new sections to the homepage they're adding uh, three months of your uh, recent uh, listening activity um, they have sections for playlists made for you uh, they can push new releases from your favorite artists to the top of the page like it's a lot more dynamic it's a lot more personalized than what Apple is doing with the listen now page and as I wrote in my iOS 14 review uh, last year, I I'm not a fan of how they change uh, how they changed the Listen Now page in iOS 14. I think it's a regression from what it used to be, and it's also the sp- the speed of it, like the performance of it. Sp- the Spotify app is really fast, both when you open different sections and when you search. And Apple Music is you get that two-second delay uh, when you first open Listen Now, 
or when you search for stuff. And once you try Spotify, you can really see the difference. On the other hand, real-time lyrics, man, those are super nice in Apple Music. And they're going to get even better in 14.5. So I'm still very much in the in the face of I'm liking Spotify, Spotify more and more. There's a few things from Apple Music that I really, really do miss. But I don't know. I, I think this is good for me. The, the, the whole, let's try Spotify out for a year and see what happens. I recommend it as an experiment if you're, uh, you know, if you're curious about what's going on on the other side. It's really eye-opening. I could get on board maybe for music, but th- there's just stuff that they don't support for podcasts that I'm just never going to be able to reconcile. Like, I want show notes. Okay. Right? You know, and All like, right. you don't, not everyone has to want them. I do. And they just don't support that. You know, there's stuff like I wish they would support chapters and chapter images, but I can get on board with them not having that, you know, like whatever. Like I would like that, but to me, show notes is like super important. I like it. I like having links. Uh, The types of podcasts that I listen to typically have very good show notes. So I just, I want that and they just don't have any of that stuff. And I, frankly, I don't understand why. Like I, I don't know why they're not supporting any of this stuff, but they're just not. Apple has killed some more computers off. They keep to keep doing this. Uh, last week, some of the twenty-one and a half inch iMacs—they're uh, all still for sale, but the options are more limited. You can now only get them with a two hundred fifty-six gig SSD or one terabyte Fusion drive. Uh, the other options are all gone. So simplifying that lineup—it's uh, not a good time to buy one of those iMacs. Don't don't buy one of them. Well, and, and the iMac Pro is completely gone. Yeah, they that went way faster than I thought it would. Yeah. It was yeah. for sale while supplies last, and I guess they had like six of them in a warehouse, and that was it. Someone bought more. Mm-hmm. With how fast that, that happened, it kind of feels pointless to have even take that intermediate step now, like in hindsight. Like, it should have just, got, just gone, right? Just like straight out, forget about it. Because... It was like six days from while supplies last to we don't this as if this product never existed. <laughs> like there isn't even a product page for it on the website anymore. Uh, so I figured they may as well have just gone straight to step B. But there you go. Yeah, maybe they just wanted to give you know those people one last shot. <laughs> Very strange. You didn't have much chance, did you, to make your decision if you wanted to buy it? Uh, maybe you just wanted like a cool gray Intel computer. Okay iOS 14.5 continues to be in beta. Uh, developers got beta 5, uh, what was it, earlier this week? It was yesterday. 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 Yes. And there are some secrets in this beta. Uh, according to Mac Rumors, uh, beta 5 has reference to an A14X chip, which we have not seen, um, and that is uh, believed to go into a next-generation iPad Pro, which... Seems like should be out any time now. Hmm. I mean, at this point, it seems like 14.5 is just waiting on new hardware, and then it'll it'll come out. Although we're going to talk in a minute about some other things they've done in that beta. But it sure seems like there's a lot of uh, evidence pointing to this new iPad being, being here pretty soon. I hope so. Uh, this beta also changed some of the language around the Apple TV remote. Uh, so it removes reference of the Sear remote, replacing it with Apple TV remote. I guess someone did like a find and replace across the project. Uh, it, okay. It, it also changes the home button uh, name to the TV button. So 
the Apple TV remote has menu and the next to it, it looks like a TV. And for a while that would take you home and you can make it go to your TV app back when Apple thought that's what everybody wanted to do. Uh, and they've renamed that from the home button to the TV button uh, in TVOS 14.5. So, so uh, some tweaks to those names. I don't know if this actually means anything, but it's interesting. It shouldn't mean that they're getting rid of that stupid device. It's honestly like the the worst accessory that Apple ever designed. Uh, Sylvia found out two days ago. Two days ago. So the Apple. T- so the this current version of the Apple TV with the Siri remote and everything. How long has it existed? Um, 2014. When when did the f- the first version of the Apple TV with Siri remote come out? Let Steven, me look. You should know about this stuff. I want to say 20, 2013, 2014, maybe. It was in 2015. Okay, so 2015. So for uh, almost six years, Sylvia and I, we have watched TV with the Apple TV. She just found out two days ago that you can swipe on the remote. <laughs> it supports touch controls. So was she tapping? <laughs> I don't know what she was doing. Yeah, how was she moving around? <laughs> well, you can tap on the edges. Here's the thing. I am pretty sure that she tried to use it a while back, one of those times when I was at WWDC, and she couldn't get it to work. And I believe that she kept using the Apple TV in two ways, either from the iPhone with the virtual remote or with our um, regular TV remote, because a regular TV remote, it can also control the Apple TV UI. And so, and and I was like, "Don't you know how to use an Apple TV remote?" And I was like, "You gotta swipe and and control via touch." And she was looking at it. She's like, "Where am I supposed to touch this?" It's like, "Don't you see the touchpad?" It's like a solid thirty seconds of <laughs> just trying to figure out how the Siri remote worked. And like, she's not wrong. Like, I get it. It's a stupid remote. It's not intuitive at all. It's bad. It's if there were trophies for things you hate the most in the world, I would give number one prize to the Siri remote. Like, it's honestly an object that I fundamentally hate. And, I mean, I I threw one in the trash and I sent you guys video proof of it. Oh, yeah, I remember when you did that. Mm -hmm. Like, honestly, whoever designed the Siri remote should feel bad about the stress and anxiety they caused in people trying to understand that remote. And, like, I forgive you, but you, su- you should still feel bad about that design. Mac OS Big Sur has a corresponding beta. Uh, 11.3 beta 5 is out as well. It also contains strings for new hardware, uh, iMac 21,1 and 21,2. So these are models that uh, are not out. Uh, assumedly, these would be Apple Silicon iMacs. I can't imagine there's going to be a new Intel iMac ever again. And so, you know... With the iMac Pro and now the low-end iMac either being dropped or, or sort of trimmed down, maybe this is close as well. I really hope we don't have to wait to WBDC. Uh, we may have to, but new Macs are coming too, guys. Are, are you guys going to buy this new uh, Apple Silicon iMacs? Probably not. Okay. Just to get an idea of what computers are you both waiting for? I want a replacement for my iMac Pro. Okay which is probably not going to be the first iMac because I would expect, unless they surprise us, I expect the first iMacs will have M1 chips in them Uh, and then there will be a second generation chip which will power the MacBook Pro and possibly a more powerful iMac. That's what I'm waiting for. 
Or, depending on when they release that, if there's any more rumblings of this tiny Mac Pro, I'm also intrigued about that. So, I haven't... Basically, I want something... I do want something to replace my iMac Pro. That is Apple Silicon, obviously. Um, and I'm just... I haven't made my mind up yet about what route I would prefer to go down. If they showed them to me at the same time, even without seeing them, I would probably want to get the little small Mac Pro. Um, but... We'll have to wait and see on that. But I, the first round of iMacs, I can't imagine that that's something that I would that I would want um, to replace this machine. Even though I'm sure it'd be great, and I'll be lusting after it if it has a new fantastic design. It will be probably giving me in some areas, if it's anything you know close to the M1 in the iMac Pro, similar performance in a lot of areas to what my iMac Pro can do which is fantastic, obviously, for those machines, but doesn't make it a compelling upgrade for me. Yeah, I don't have a place for an iMac, really, in my life. Uh, for a while, Mary used one, but she's got the M1 MacBook Air, and she likes having a notebook. And then when she's at her desk, she uses it in clamshell mode with the LG 4K Ultrafine. And so she's set. I don't need it. i definitely going to see what an Apple Silicon Mac Pro looks like and go from there i mean i'm happy with my intel one i'm going to continue to run it for a long time but when it is time to replace it if there is an apple silicon mac pro that i can put drives in and put cards in then i would do that if the mac pro isn't that if it's not expandable in some way then i could see myself going back to an imac but i really enjoy having a bunch of storage and a bunch of other stuff inside my computer and so I want to see what that story is before I would make any decisions. Uh, Federico, are you still using the Studio Dock with the iPad? Yes, I'm very much liking it. It's still that's how I worked all week. That's how I've been writing all week. I continue to believe that I want to free up more space on my desk. Um, right now, I've just been putting the Mac Mini Magic Keyboard and the Mac Mini Magic Trackpad in a drawer when the Mac Mini is turned off. But I also, I kind of want to also put the Mac Mini itself under the desk, try to figure out like a better space optimization for it. I know that there's people who have been using like VESA mounts and, you know, different strategies. Just a bunch of Velcro, man. Just like... I mean, it's got to be a lot of Velcro, man. That's like, <laughs> yeah, strong Velcro. Have you ever heard of command strips? They're really strong Velcro, basically. You should, you should just throw a bunch of those on the top of it, stick it under the desk, yeah. or stick it to the back of the monitor, you know, go wild. I don't know, maybe. Uh, I want to think of ways to free up more space on my desk, but also, like, I don't know, we're going to move eventually, so maybe I shouldn't do too many modifications to my existing setup. I don't know, we'll see. Um, right now, I have a complaint to share with the com I have a complaint with a company. So I I want to complain to the company named Satechi that because they made a really attractive Bluetooth keyboard and I want to give them my money, but that keyboard is sold out everywhere. So they have this keyboard that 9to5Mac recently reviewed. I also got some comments from Mac Stories readers who were able to get one. It's called the Satechi Slim X1. It looks like a magic keyboard. It looks like a compact Magic Keyboard, but it's uh, space gray and it supports multi-device pairing, which is all I want. Like for the longest time, all I wanted was a compact Magic Keyboard, not the extended one, 
that you know I Apple sells uh, with the with a numeric pad. Uh, it's the only one available in space gray. Uh, I want a compact Magic Keyboard that is space gray and supports multi-device pairing. And the Slim X1 does all that, and it's also backlit. So I really want that keyboard, but it's sold out everywhere. I also tried uh, like on the Satechi website, on Amazon.com, Amazon Italy, Amazon UK, and Amazon Germany. Because sometimes when I when I try and be uh, you know very clever about oh if something is not available on Amazon Italy, I guess the Germans have it. But no, it's not even on Amazon Germany. Um, so I'm really upset. I mean, I'm joking, but I'm annoyed that this company. I mean, congrats to them for selling out this keyboard. Uh, but I also want to give them my money and currently my money has not left my credit card because it's sold out. But is, is it, has it actually ever been available? Because sometimes this happens, right? Like Some people have Macrofuba it. Product. Oh, okay, people have it, okay. Because you know, you see this, it's like, here's this new Belkin charger. It's not available, right? Like they, They're not selling it yet for like a month, you know. But okay, people, if people have it, then... Let's try again. Satechi.net. Yeah, out of stock. You see? Yeah, and I was just looking on Amazon in the UK for you, and they don't have it. Yeah. I really want this keyboard because that means I can uh, get rid of a bunch of stuff. I don't have to put my my magic keyboard in in a drawer anymore. I can just have a single keyboard that looks good uh, and that can switch between the Mac Mini and the iPad Pro. But yes, to go back to your question, Stephen, I'm still using the Studio Dock, and I really like it. And uh, but I want to see, of course, what happens with the new iPad Pro. Uh, hopefully, it'll still be compatible. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> this episode of Connected is brought to you by Pingdom. You out there listening, do you have a website? And does that website have a shopping cart, a registration form, a contact us page? If you answered yes to these questions, then you need Pingdom. Nobody wants their critical website transactions to fail. That means a bad experience for your users and could mean lost business for you. But the good news is you can set up transaction monitoring with Pingdom. Transaction monitoring will alert you when things like cart checkouts, forms, and login pages are failing before they affect your customers and your business. Pingdom will let you know the moment any of these fail in whatever way is best for you. You can customize how you're alerted and who is alerted depending on the outage severity. Pingdom cares about your users having the smoothest site experience possible, and if disaster strikes, you'll be the first to know. It's super easy to get started. Just go to pingdom.com slash RelayFM right now for a free 30-day trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use code CONNECTED at checkout to get a huge 30% off your first invoice. Our thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of the show and RelayFM. Last week, we had a a, a conversation I really enjoyed um, about... Things Apple would not do if the mm. iPhone was starting today, and yeah. it was. And again, I would once again like to commend Federico for coming up with that fantastic topic for last week. Thank In you. this topic, there is a great foreshadowing. Among shortcuts power users, we all know that the iCloud.com link, you can actually reverse engineer and look at the API that puts together the shared shortcut. That is how I can extract things like the icon that a shortcut uses from the iCloud.com link. Because if you call on the right um, 
web API, you can get a bunch of information, a bunch of details about the shortcut itself. So like, I'm pretty sure that Apple doesn't like it. Sometimes you say things on this show that I wish for your own sake you didn't say. <laughs> That's one of them. <laughs> right like if you like that you can do that you shouldn't say it we all know it i, I just you know sometimes i kind of i just i just kind of like to steer the pot and see what happens <laughs> <laughs> so here am i steering and steering and seeing what happens so you have just heard federico talk about shortcuts links and i suggest to federico that he is potentially harming himself by talking about these things uh, seven days later, <laughs> all shortcut links are dead. Can you explain what's going on, Federico? I woke up this morning, got my phone, and checked my Twitter replies, and there was this, a person saying, hey, do you know why um, I can't seem to install your Apple Frames shortcut uh, anymore? Uh, I go to the link and it gives me this error. And I was like, well, that's weird. My first thought was that finally Apple got me, and they manually killed the Apple Frames shortcut on their servers because maybe they didn't like the fact that I was using their graphical assets for Apple Frames, which was weird because I knew that there's people at Apple who actually use Apple Frames, but I thought, you know, maybe they're changing PR people around. They don't want Apple Frames to be around anymore. So I just thought that it was a, an isolated issue just about Apple Frames. And I created a reminder in, in my task manager saying, fix this later. Then a couple of hours later, uh, somebody told me, are you aware of this thing where all shortcuts links ever created have been dead since yesterday after iOS 14.5 beta 5 came out? And so here's what's going on. Something happened on Apple's iCloud.com servers yesterday and... All iCloud.com links for shortcuts ever, ever created from the very first version of shortcuts up until some point yesterday, um, Tuesday, March 23rd, all those links are currently dead. They return a 404 error saying that the shortcut does not exist anymore. It says uh, on the iPhone, shortcut not found. The shortcut link may be invalid or it may have been deleted. That, In addition to that, I'm not sure when this change happened, but for a long time, so Shortcuts, before it was called Shortcuts, it used to be Workflow. And Apple bought Workflow, kept it on the App Store for a year, and then it relaunched as Shortcuts. But for the longest time, Apple kept those old Workflow links working. So in Workflow, you could also share uh, your workflows and they were uploaded to the workflow servers, and they had a workflow.is.is URL. For, for a long time, Apple automatically redirected those workflow links to iCloud.com links, and that was a really great gesture to cap compatibility with those workflows. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not sure when this happened, but those workflow links are also dead. They do not redirect to iCloud anymore. So, uh, but I'm not sure this happened yesterday. It may have happened a while back. I just wanted to mention it for completeness because I think it's important to you know to 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 be complete about this. Mm -hmm. uh, in any case, the main issue is all shortcuts links created from 2018 until yesterday. So three years of shortcuts links 
are at the moment of recording this down and like they've been completely wiped out. Now, last week in our section, I mentioned how for a variety of reasons, I believe that Apple doesn't exactly love the idea of share, you know, people sharing shortcuts with one another. And I also mentioned how, and you didn't want me to talk about it, Mike, how you can look up shortcuts metadata on Apple's servers by using a specific API call. They have a records API that you can use to look up stuff like the icon and the glyph and the color of a shortcuts, uh, the creation date, stuff like that. Now, this morning when, when I noticed that all shortcuts links were down, the first thought was, oh, Mike was right, obviously. I shouldn't have mentioned this. Somebody listened to Connected and they took out they took down all those links to get to get rid of the uh, metadata lookup method. And here's where the whole situation is really strange, but at the same time it also gives me hope. You can still create links to shortcuts. New links, new iCloud.com links are working. It's just the old ones that are dead. Maybe they just kill them on a daily basis. Like tomorrow, none of today's for work. <laughs> sure, maybe they just have an, it just last 24 hours. Maybe could be. I mean, could be. Do you know if the API call stuff, does that work against new links or have they turned that off? That's what I did, right? So I took a new link and I tested my old metadata shortcuts and uh, it's still working. You can still look up shortcuts metadata with that method. You can still extract information from a new iCloud.com link. So all this to me feels like a bug because they didn't, at least as long as I'm concerned, like the they didn't change anything for that API lookup method. The shortcuts gallery was also down yesterday. So Apple must have done something uh, with the transition to iOS 14.5 beta 5, and I guess they accidentally took down all the links. At least that's what I want to believe. Also, if Apple suddenly decided to kill, right, sharing shortcuts with other people via iCloud links, they would probably do it the opposite way, right? They would probably prevent the creation of new links and they would keep the old ones around, at least for a while. So if their intention was to kill those links, they would probably do the opposite of what they're doing now. Still, it sucks because for, like, I woke up this morning and I started getting tweets and emails from people saying, obviously those people know nothing. They're saying, hey, I just came from... Like, for example, Wired, uh, a couple of weeks ago, they linked to Apple Frames as one of the most popular shortcuts that you can use on your iPhone. And I got an email from somebody saying, hey, I, I, I was trying to install your shortcuts from your shortcut from Wired and, and it's not working. Can you uh, upload it again, please? Mm -hmm. And now I got to explain to these people, like I have three, ma three emails already and a bunch of tweets. And I got to explain to all these people, well, it's not really my fault. But at the moment, at the moment I'm basically standing here and I got 230 shortcuts in the Mac Story Shortcuts Archive. All those links are dead. There's probably a hundred more in my previous coverage of shortcuts for stuff that I did not uh, put in the Mac Stories Shortcuts Archive. 
And obviously, this goes beyond Mac stories. There's entire communities that have years of content that is basically useless now. The Shortcuts subreddit, uh, Routine Hub, which is a popular uh, website where people can, sh- can share shortcuts. Um, obviously, you know, Matthew Cassinelli, is, his entire shortcuts library is uh, uh, not accessible at the moment. Uh, shortcuts that, that um, uh, Rosemary and David share on automators here on Relay FM, as well as the shortcuts that the automators listeners share in the forums. Those are dead. Like, it's, it's a very unfortunate situation. Um, and the lack of communication uh, doesn't help. We reached out to Apple for a comment. They do not have a comment at the moment, I believe. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, so <laughs> yeah, I mean... I like that answer. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> so, we're all... And obviously, I have a membership program where people give me money to uh, at least part of the part of the perks one of the perks is accessing exclusive members only shortcuts so yeah um uh <laughs> um i yeah. bet they didn't mean to do my my feeling is they did not mean to do this but I they have so. done something that's caused this I, I expect that this is a bug caused by them doing something they were i doing expect some work. the yes. something is probably something you're not gonna like but yep. I doubt that they meant to knock out all of these uh, links in one fell swoop, especially because you can still make them. Uh, just want to clarify before it gets out of hand. Apple didn't did not say no comment to us. We just haven't gotten a reply yet. So just, oh, okay, oh. okay. I thought that they were like, oh no, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> no, just we haven't gotten a reply yet. But we reached out, so it's uh, the the ball is in their court now. So yeah, we're all just waiting. That's what I was gonna say. We're all just waiting to understand what's going on. Maybe this is nothing. Maybe it's just you know somebody was making a change to the shortcuts gallery yesterday and they you know accidentally ch- changed the an ownership property in the amazon s3 bucket where all these links are stored i don't know man i yeah, don't know apple has a status page for icloud um it doesn't have anything exactly for shortcuts on that page but similarly there is also as of right now no errors on that page for anything you know you could imagine that maybe if some icloud uh thing was down it could take this with it but as it stands right now, there is no notification of any errors with iCloud. Who knows what it is? Uh, grand scheme of things, not that important, but to certain communities, incredibly important. I mean, it would suck if three years of work were not accessible anymore. Also because they remove, Apple removed uh, two years ago the option to share shortcuts with other people as files. As files, right? yeah. yeah. used to be that you could share a dot .shortcut file mm-hmm. with somebody else and uh, they could import the shortcut as a file. Then they changed the whole security system around uh, shortcut sharing in iOS 13. Um, we talked about it before, the whole untrusted shortcut um, system that you got to enable in settings. And you cannot import f- shortcut files anymore. So iCloud.com links are the only way for installing shortcuts made by other people. And uh, hopefully this is a, this is just a bug. Apple doesn't need to comment; they just need to fix it. Uh, but all 
at least I believe it's a bug. I don't think it's a... Again, if they were planning to kill the feature, they would probably do it the opposite way. They would remove sh uh, sharing for new shortcuts and new links, but they would keep the old legacy ones around. So yeah. it's just a, a bug. It would be nice well, yeah. to, to, to hear what's going on, but let's wait you know, a couple of days and see what happens. So strange. So they did something on the server side that like corresponds when a beta came out. I mean, I guess, I guess. I mean, they were, my my theory is they were doing some work on the shortcuts gallery uh, because that was down yesterday, and uh, when it came back, some someone did something horrible to the database of. Uh, I mean, it's got to be millions of links, right? Uh, I assume and. Uh, you know, somebody changed the permissions of, of <laughs> that database or something. I hope they have a backup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's backed know. up on iCloud. It's fine. Mm, cool. It's got to do a full restore to bring the one database yeah. back of all yeah. of iCloud. Okay. Today is the 20th anniversary of Mac OS X, which is pretty wild to think about. There's a lot of great stuff out there to go read about it. Uh, I rounded up a bunch of stuff on 512. Mac Power Users episode 580 is basically all about this. And we kind of walk through the the transition and the high points of the last 20 years. So I don't want to do that here because I did it there. Plus the two of you would be bored. But I do want to talk a little bit. You chose the right like the right location for the coverage in, in its entirety as it is on Mac Power Users. Yeah. And I think people would really enjoy uh enjoy that episode. So go check it out. I was really proud of how that came out. So the thing that really, uh, for me, that I want to talk about with y'all is what has come after that. And so Mac OS X comes out in 2001. Five years later, well, the same year the iPod comes out, which it had really had nothing to do with OS X. It ran this like weirdo thing they bought for somebody else. They switched to Intel five years later. And then six years later, we get the iPhone. A pretty relatively short period of time. I, I often don't think about that in terms of like how long it was since Genesis of OS X, but it really was pretty quick. And so for really for most of its life, Mac OS, OS X, whatever you want to call it, has lived with these sibling OSs. And of course, now it's spun off watchOS and tvOS and all these other things. And I don't know if they could have done the iPhone the way they did it had they not done Mac OS X the way that they did it. But at the same time, like Apple's also not afraid of shedding old baggage. And so things like Carbon, 32-bit apps, older apps and services that don't matter anymore. Like Even though Mac OS is 20 years old and it looks roughly the same, like the, you know, the sells the dock and the mini bar and stuff, it really... I don't think there's much in it that is actually 20 years old because they've continued to reinvent it and bring new technology into it. And over the last few years, reunifying it with iOS under the hood, all of these things. And I, I kind of wanted to know what the two of y'all thought about that and what you think, um, like how you see macOS today kind of fitting into the, the bigger Apple ecosystem. I find it interesting to really think about the fact that it all stems from OS ten, like everything now, right? Like even though watchOS I'm sure shares basically nothing 
from a technical perspective it's still well, i mean like the the kernel's the same you know some of the like the the low level OS? yeah the, some of the low level like network stack i think a lot of the real deep stuff is the same even better to the point that, I'm, that i was trying to make that to think that without os 10 all of this stuff wouldn't exist but for, you know from many perspectives like one you know i'm sure it could be argued that without os 10 apple probably wouldn't be around anymore yeah you know but like but that's like a different uh conversation but just it's just it's it's kind of fascinating really to think of this technology which is older than 20 years right some of the underlying technology is next technology correct yeah so i mean really so, like mock bsd and some of the the real low-level stuff like its roots go back 30 years so you know, I think I find that quite fascinating, really, that there is this. I wonder how long it will be into the future for OS X's legacy to continue from like real terms of technology developed for OS X still being used, not just like, hey, we know how to make operating systems because of OS X. You know what I mean? Like the, mm-hmm. the real actual, this code that it bears similarities and or is the same. Uh, an underlying level as the stuff introduced in 2001 or whatever. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, when they introduced the iPhone in 07, like, it was like, it runs Mac OS X. It's like, well, I mean, at a certain point, that's true. It You know, lots of custom stuff on top of it. And that's still how they work today, where, yeah, the low-level stuff's the same, but, like, watchOS, tvOS iPadOS, like they're all different interpretations of it and they have their own application layer on top of it. Even though Apple is is slowly moving towards unifying that as well with things like Swift UI. It's a nice thing to mock. Makes me feel wild though. Yeah. I don't have any particular thoughts. I just feel like it's impressive that the foundation of this operating system is turning 20, but at the same time here in 2021 we're all witnessing a new beginning of for the platform and i think it's very exciting i think i honestly feel like um there hasn't probably been a better time to be a mac user than right now because you can feel like the company is really committed to it as a i'm not a i'm not a mac user like i don't consider myself a primarily a mac user but i am in a good way right jealous of all the excitement that surrounds what's going on with mac os what's going on with m1 max and like it's it's a good thing it's a great thing to witness this sort of comeback for the platform both in the software and the hardware so yeah it, it turns 20 but it you know in 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 many ways it's you know turning one this year so i i think it's really really exciting yeah, I mean, they're using the the foundations that they built so long ago to launch all of this new stuff. I mean, it is yeah, it is re- a remarkable run. Yeah, it, I mean, man, that six years between Mac OS ten and the iPhone, like that is no time. That it, that is the number that really jumps out at me today. Especially when you then go like six years to that, and then just th- it's thirteen, fourteen years to now. Yeah. You think about it felt like OS ten had been around forever, forever. At that point, <laughs> and now it's it's over twice that amount of time since. Yep, weird. It time is weird. This episode of Connected is brought to you by ExpressVPN. 
How did you choose your internet service provider? Well, if you're like me, if you're like most of us, there's actually very little choice because ISPs have a lot of control in the regions they serve. There may only be really one or two options and they may not all be good. That's the case where I live. There's one good one and one slow one. They can use this control to take advantage of customers with data caps, streaming throttles, the list goes on and on. But worst of all, many ISPs log your internet activity and could sell that data to other companies or for advertising. So I protect my devices with ExpressVPN, and that means my ISP cannot see my internet activity. So what is ExpressVPN? Well, it's a simple app for your computer or smartphone that encrypts all your network data and tunnels it through a secure VPN server so that your activity stays your activity. Just think about how much of our lives are on the internet. Every site we visit, every video we watch, every message we send, it could be used without your permission. That's the reason I recommend ExpressVPN as the best way to keep your information private. You just download the app, tap one button on your device, and you're protected. And ExpressVPN does all of this without slowing your connection. That's why it's rated the number one VPN service by CNET and Wired. I've used ExpressVPN for years. I love how fast it is. So many of these other services really slow down your browsing, and ExpressVPN is just seamless. So stop handing over your personal data to ISPs and other companies that want to profit from that information. Protect yourself with the VPN I use to keep my private data private data. Visit expressvpn.com slash connected. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash connected to get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash connected. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of the show and Relay FM. In a report which was detailing a mysterious temperature sensor in the current HomePod Mini, which is like a, just a super weird, wonderful report from Mark Gurman, uh, Mark also reiterated a line that he said in the past, which is Apple has been developing new speakers, i.e. HomePods, with screens and cameras. So he's spoken about this in the past. I think there was a report a while ago about the HomePod um, I think it was detailing a HomePod Mini, suggesting that there might be a HomePod which was in price between the Mini and the current HomePod, which, I mean, there could be more sense to that rumor now than there was before, because <laughs> the other part of that rumor is because the big HomePod won't exist anymore. So who knows? Uh, but also detailing that, that Apple's been looking at uh, HomePod versions or models that have screens on them. Furthermore, Steve Moser at Mac Rumors, and Steve was responsible for finding a bunch of stuff we were talking about earlier on in the show too. Uh, Steve found references in tvOS 14.5 to FaceTime, iMessage, and image capturing frameworks being added to tvOS. Now, you may think to yourself that this sounds peculiar or... Surely the HomePod already has FaceTime and iMessage stuff. It's like yes and no. There's a few things. So as of 2020, HomePod is part of tvOS, not iOS. They changed that over. So HomePod gets its updates via the tvOS stack, not the iOS stack. And also it had some of the parts of iMessage and FaceTime in them in the sense of allowing you to like place calls, send messages, that kind of stuff. But what it seems like this is now being um, integrated into the platform at a more deep level is probably a deep and open framework. You know, that's, that's probably what they did by putting iMessage in there. And uh, the, the key is this is surely, surely intended for 
the HomePod because it makes not a lot of sense to put iMessage on the TV, right? Like if, <laughs> if these frameworks are going into uh, these devices, it's most likely for a HomePod device, especially image capturing as well. Like they're never going to put a camera on the Apple TV, you would assume, right? Because like, it doesn't make any sense. What, why would you, why would you mm-hmm. do that? But it could be on a... Dude, on a you could have a 70-inch FaceTime call. It would be amazing, right? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. So if we just take this as read, that all of this seems to suggest that there is a likelihood for a HomePod of a screen. And I, and I actually think that there is potentially more case for that now that the big HomePod is gone. Um, you know, like the cheap HomePod is just audio, the larger HomePod has a screen on it. And because there are there is an existing market growing product offerings that are like this you know amazon makes stuff like this facebook makes stuff like this so if we're looking at this landscape now what would we want this product to actually do if apple was going to say to us all right here is the next home pod it truly is the center of the home uh the whole family can get around it and have a facetime call mm. uh it has what else so what would you guys want to see on something like this um, well, so I guess the idea is that what we are imagining is Apple's version of an Echo show at, or a Nest Hub, basically. Yep. Okay. Well, I guess music, for example, would make a lot of sense. So music, you can you can follow real-time lyrics and you can control music that way. Um, obviously, uh, the idea of a digital picture frame, right? So you can have your favorite photos and you can uh, have slideshows and like have it be automatic or um, different versions of a, of, a, of a digital uh, clock, obviously, with like maybe even different watch faces that you can choose from. And I guess just generally speaking, a it would be nice to have a centralized hub for things you share in the family so your family cal- calendar your family reminders with the with the grocery list maybe you could have like find my and have your kids position automatically show up and it could give you updates when when the location of somebody you're tracking changes like all the things that you share uh, with iCloud over family sharing, I think it would be a good place for that on, on this kind of device. Um, my underlying problem with this assumption is I'm just not sure at this point how much Apple is committed to the home and to the idea of building an ecosystem of of products around this, given what happened to the HomePod, given the slow pace of updates with the Apple TV, given that there's not really an ecosystem right now. I mean, a, a HomePod mini is not an ecosystem. A HomePod mini is a tiny speaker. The ecosystem, I guess, is iCloud, but iCloud is also on the iPhone and iPad. So, Or HomeKit. Or HomeKit, yes. But also HomeKit is a framework that Apple makes for others. Well, I mean, think what happens if Apple dives back into this. And fails again. Like, the, if the HomePod Mini just kind of like bumbles along for a while, it never really, uh, never really takes off. But it's like fine for people who just want Apple Music and don't want Amazon in their bedroom or whatever. Like, that's not a big market probably, but it could be enough. But if they've really launched something like this that we're talking about with a screen, which I think would be really compelling, and it it HomePods again, like it, it doesn't take off or it 
fails in some way, like then what happens? Because then at that point you you're zero and two, or maybe you know one and two if the HomePod Mini is okay. Like I just don't know how willing they are to to try again. I think they should try again, but I'm not sure how willing they they would be to do that. They they just en- ended up I feel like in a weird spot where they have. The, uh, perhaps the most popular mobile operating system around. They have HomeKit, they have Siri, which is not great. They have iCloud and Family Sharing, all great components. But the the big piece missing from the puzzle is the, all these different technologies. They don't really resolve in a unified ecosystem for the home, and it's very weird because they have all these, you know, most of them really solid components. I mean, most of them because Siri is not solid, but they're missing a unifying strategy. I would actually like to posit the theory that makes me uh, feel better is that the HomePod being discontinued is a signal of Apple's recommitment to the home. It's a signal that we are imagining. (laughs) Potentially suggesting the HomePod is the wrong product at its price point for what it, people want it to do, mm. right? So like that's kind of what I'm positing here in that they have woke up and been like, okay, the HomePod Mini does everything the HomePod needs to do, mm. and so we should not continue to offer this larger product. All right. Yeah, Let's get rid of it now while we make way for our next products. And at this point, I am hoping for a very good Apple TV-like product, mm. which incorporates more home stuff that's what i'm hoping for uh, and or as well like a echo show google uh, nest hub facebook portal like device made by apple and i understand that you could say hey why not just put an ipad on a stand nah. hmm. i'll tell you i tried that it's not great like it's you're really forcing it to do something that it's not really made to do. Yeah. You know, like my Echo Show, for example, the screen is always on and showing me something. The iPad doesn't do that. Like, it's not what it's for, right? Like, it is meant to be a personal device. It is yours. It is like one person's device where these other products are built around being a device for a family, even the HomePod, right? Like, you can have multiple people talking to it and it recognizes that. And an iPad can't do that. Sometimes. Sometimes. But it does do it. I mean, it might not be completely reliable. I don't know how reliable these other products are at doing it. I have found it to be somewhat reliable. There is a difference in having a device like this, which is built around, okay, this is in a shared environment first. Now what does it do? It's building from a different direction to, and even the HomePod has been built from that mindset where an ipad or an iphone is not built for that i would really like to see them go down this route like they could actually make third-party apps right let me put zoom on this thing and it will be great like we use a ipad for all this kind of stuff at home it would be great for us to just put one of these things somewhere in the house and we could have these calls and it be and it and it work really nice you know like I, i would really be into that i don't know if they're gonna do it but I do think, I do believe in them when it comes to the home, but purely because 
I've said this before about AR, right? Like, why are they even, you know, like AR, VR, why are Apple attacking this market? Well, because it's a new market. It's an emerging market, right? And if they want to have the next iPhone hit, they've got to try and be in every emerging market, right? You've got to have something. So I do believe that whilst the home market is never going to be iPhone sized, right? Because I mean, you've already taken it down from say like four divided to one, right? Like if every home had one, it's still going to be a quarter of the amount of phones there are, right? Because everyone has their own phone, but it's still a emerging market for consumer technology because Apple's competitors are doing such a good job and are continually iterating. So do you want to just abandon this emerging market for consumer technology i don't believe that they would want to especially when the home market really has the ecosystem key like it really is a a very important component to locking you into an ecosystem even with this uh connected home interoperability thing that's still not going to be like what is your syncing system? What is your music system? Where are your photos? Like You're still going to want that lock-in. And it's always going to be better on the device made by the company that's also making the software part. Even if they all talk to each other, it's always going to be better when you have one and one together, right? And so I think it would not be a good move for Apple to allow Amazon or Google to just take all of this market when it seems like at this point, I haven't really tried. Yeah. Then the issue there is that they have a long road ahead to catch up, especially with Amazon, uh, when it comes to having lots of options, when it comes to being aggressive with pricing, and when it comes to having devices that can uh, be flexible, right? You can get an Amazon Echo for cheap and you can connect all kinds of uh, accessories and all kinds of services to it. Because they have ignored this market for the past three years, maybe, the, maybe I guess at the beginning when, you know, years ago, four or five years ago, when everybody was making fun of, of the Echo, it's like, hey, who, who wants to talk to an assistant stuck in a cylinder, right? It's people, who, especially in the Apple media ecosystem, were sort of making fun of the Echo at the beginning. But Amazon kept going and they iterated mm-hmm. and iterated on it. And now it's something that, especially in the past couple of years, I've seen it here in Italy. As a country in Italy, we tend to be pretty late, right, to discovering new tech products. And it's a combination of, well, it's a long discussion. It's a combination of usually we do not get new tech stuff as soon as Americans do. But also Mm -hmm. we tend to be, as a people, pretty ignorant when it comes to understanding technology. But that's a failure of the education system in Italy. That's a whole other topic. Still, (laughs) it's a a more old-fashioned country. Yes, we are. And and that is also one of Italy's selling points to the rest of the world. So you don't want to completely give it up. But there's another side to it, which is unfortunate when it comes to technology. However, what I've seen in the past two years is devices like the Amazon Echo and the Google Assistant as well have totally been accepted as regular appliances that you can have in the home. I I see my friends referring to them, using them as something that is just as common as a phone 
at this point, right? I mean, I, I went to my accountant's office a few weeks ago and I heard one of her colleagues asking something to the echo. I was like, wait, do you have an echo in, in the office? And she was like, yeah, we're, we're using it here as well. So it's like totally normal now. And it surprises me that Apple has slept on this for such a long time. And so I wonder now, can you come back from the failure of the HomePod and do it quickly and do it in a way that is still interesting enough for people? That's my really my concern because it's really too bad that they are uh, abandoning the market and I don't want to believe that they are. I believe that they want to do something, but I'm rightfully so, I think, skeptical that they can succeed because they don't have exactly, you know, a lot of... Uh, positive points going for them right now the one other counterpoint that i'll make to what federico what you're saying about like the things that they need to do to to combat amazon is you said price mm. and uh flexibility of offering yeah. right yes because that's <laughs> that's arguably what amazon have succeeded on right yeah. that they're cheap they keep making them cheaper uh, and you, they, they put it in everything. And you can get them in all sizes and flavors and colors. Yeah. yeah. And you don't even have to buy a product from Amazon. Yeah. And you can get it. You know, maybe you bought this other product and now you have Echo in exactly. your house, right? You, yeah. have, you have Alexa in your house. I'm taking a, a, a particular stand on this. I don't know how much I believe it, but I just want to make the point anyway. Of the iPhone, right? That there were already uh, lots of op op options available for phones everyone had one nokia was killing it right like blackberry was destroying everyone like it was all good and then apple created something which was so compelling that even though it was more limited in some ways like lockdown uh more expensive everyone wanted it because it was so cool and they've done that many times do i think that the home pod is their next place to do this no I actually think even though I have a lot of issues with the idea, I think they're more likely to do this, have this impact in a future AR product or something. You know, I'll add the Apple Watch actually to that to that category of stuff I just mentioned, right? Of like a product where there are already offerings and people saw this type of product from Apple and they were like, this is more expensive than everybody else's, but it is actually cool and I'll get it. They could do that. I mean, this is a company that has history of doing it. They could do that for a home product, right? where they make this thing where it's like halfway between a HomePod and an iPad and a Mac, right? In in the sense of like what you would do with it at home. And, you know, you could I could imagine a world in which there isn't a family computer anymore because all of the family computers tasks are taken up by this Apple Home device mm. that has all this shared stuff that the family needs. Uh, what you know? You know what I'm saying? Like I'm I'm getting a bit like pie in the sky now. But my sent my point is like they have shown in the past that they can create products that disrupt an industry, and I want them to make something mm -hmm. like this. I don't want them to abandon the home. Oh, I agree. And yes. I don't want them to 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 not abandon the home because I'm someone who's terrified about having Amazon or Google products in my house. This is not where I'm coming from. Uh, because I have these products and I'm happy with them. For me, it's just, I think that this is an area that they could do cool stuff in and I want to see them do it. I absolutely so agree. So I hope that they do. And I hope that a, a, a device of a screen on it is the 
route that they take. Honestly, like I want them to get weird. Like you have lots of money, <laughs> do weird stuff, try all kinds of form factors. It, especially for the home, it's not like everything needs to be this super expensive, highly refined audio speaker for audio files. Do something that sounds crappy, but it's easy to use, and it's got Siri that gets the basics right. Like, get weird and try stuff. It doesn't have to be like, oh my God, I feel like I'm listening to heaven in my years, and now you can get the like these six tweeters and a subwoofer. No, do something that sounds like crap, but is easy to use and you can get it there and you don't have to use Amazon and Google services and it automatically you know is set up with your iPhone super quickly you touch your iPhone you set it up and you can use FaceTime and that's it and you can go from you know something in a box to an you know a functioning speaker with a display in like two minutes and only you can do it because you're Apple and you control the whole thing but like you know, try lots of different things. I love when Apple tries weird stuff. What I dislike mm. is when they don't believe in it and when they abandon it and when it's like they stop doing updates and we all know what's happening. This thing is going to get killed yeah. and then they wait yeah. two years to finally kill it. No, do stuff. Like, try, try things. You know, it's exciting when Apple tries new stuff. Like, the AirPods Max... I love them. Like they just did a bu- these weird headphones that nobody's gonna buy. Just <laughs> more weird things. That's what I would like to see. You ready to move on? No, I want to talk about this, Stephen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I have been waiting for this next topic for like three weeks. <laughs> this episode of Connected is brought to you by Delete Me. Have you ever Googled yourself? We all have. We can be honest. It's kind of wild to see what private information is available for others to see. There's like this entire world of shady companies out there that collect and sell personal information. They're called data brokers, and they know things like your phone number, home address, political affiliation, dating preferences. In fact, the average data broker can possess about 1,500 data points about an individual person. That's the kind of data that leads to things that are terrible, like identity theft and cyberstalking and doxing. The good news is you can take one simple step to remove yourself from the majority of these data brokers. You can use Delete Me. Think about Delete Me as the anti-data broker. They've removed millions and millions of records from data brokers over the last 12 years, and they continue to fight for users' right to privacy. They set me up with an account a few weeks ago, got plugged in, uh, gave them some information, and then you start getting these reports back. And I got my first report back at the end of last week, and it just had this huge list of websites that knew all sorts of things about me. It was really eye-opening, and Delete Me is making sure that that data stays private. If you want to make sure your data stays yours, head to joindeleteme.com slash connected and use the code CONNECTED for a 20% discount. That's joindeleteme.com slash CONNECTED and the code CONNECTED for a 20% discount. Our thanks to Delete Me for their support of the show and Relay FM. All right. So what have you done, Stephen? Hello. Hi. What's what's going on here? In, hmm. Please explain yourself. I've tried a new task manager. Okay. 
and it could be and it could be the one. The one? What is the one oh. for you? So happy for you both. Thank you. <laughs> Define the one task manager. The one that it does ha- it works the way I want it to work. Okay. And the apps are nice enough and Okay. Looks pretty good. Okay. Looks like Todoist to me. Yeah. I'm just looking at the images now. It is like to if Todoist and Good task had Ooh, a baby. Wait, that, okay. It would come really? out. Really? That's high praise. Okay. Yeah, it's got some good task sort of vibe to it. Okay. Anyways, so uh, so I for the last month or so have been using Tick Tick. Tick Tick. Tick Tick. Tick Tick. Tick Tick. Which, by the way, you search for it all, it just takes you to TikTok. Yeah. I really feel for them. <laughs> yeah, they're like, name I just space. searched Tick Tick. Like I just typed Tick Tick into the uh, Omnibar. Is that what it's called on, on Safari? What do uh, they call it? I don't know. What, no, I think that's what Chrome calls you know, it. But, the magic bar. Okay. The bar where now there isn't a search bar, right? You search it. I just searched Tick Tick and it just took me to the TikTok website. <laughs> like it just didn't even take <laughs> me to Google. Like <laughs> it just, nope. You, I know what you want. And like, no, that was wrong. Tick Tick. Tick tick. <laughs> tick tick. It's fun to say. Yes, it is. Tick tick. Trying this out, there's a bunch of stuff that is is very similar to Todoist. So like tick tick, Todoist, uh, remember the milk, good task kind of. Like there are several of these that sort of, in my mind, are on kind of the same, roughly the same playing field. Uh, so it has uh, natural language entry for things like dates and if you learn the keyboard shortcuts for things like, you know, what list you want to put something in, the repeating syntax. So you don't have to be clicking around a bunch to set parameters. Click, click. Did you say click, click? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the sync is, is pretty solid. They run their own sync engine. Uh, so they're not on top of reminders like Good Tasks is. What's it called? Sync, sync? Sync, sync. <laughs> sync, sync. It has some UI customization, not a ton, but you can set themes and like each list has an emoji and it's kind of got the basics. Uh, you can also do customization on how lists are sorted and that sort of thing. You can do smart lists, which is pretty cool. In fact, their smart list tool to build them is actually it's actually pretty good. Wait, wait, tell me, tell me more about the smart lists. How how can you put them together? They're smart, smart. Okay, smart, smart. <laughs> list, list, <laughs> list, list. Uh, how do you like? How do you choose the um the like the filtering um conditions, whatever? Yeah, so they have some pre-made ones. So if if you wanted to build one that like just showed you the next five days, they have some drop-down menus. Okay. that you can use, but they also have their own syntax, like syntax. Okay. Uh, and you can look it up on their on their website. I think that's probably the, the easiest way to do it. And you can basically uh, build out your like Boolean search for what you want. So you could say, I want these parameters. I want all my list except this one list. Or yeah, yeah. I just want to include this tag with these parameters. So you can combine different elements to make a smart list. Is it more understandable than the third language you have to learn if you want to use to do it? <laughs> yeah, to use uh, it like its own. It, it, like, hey, it's fine. We support smart list, except you gotta speak a new language. Yeah. Except you need to go to the British Museum, consult the Rosetta Stone, <laughs> and then maybe you can create a repeating reminder. It's a little bit like that, but uh, it's okay. once you kind of get the hang of it, it's um, it's not too bad. Mm. Uh, they've got tags. I don't care about tags. Um, they got priority, which is fine. Uh, they also have this cool thing where you can 
mark a task partially complete. Wait, what? So partially complete? For instance, I have a recurring task every Wednesday to make sure that on 512, like the blog sponsor for the next week, I have all their content. I usually send them an email on Wednesday say, hey, you're coming up next week. This is a reminder. This is the content that I need. And so what I've started to do is I've marked that 50% complete once I email them and then fully complete once they, once I actually get the content. So you can kind of like track. And what's the like, okay, what's the, how do you do that though? Like, what are you doing? Uh, you under the task, there's like a, there's <laughs> no, you a, just click, the, you, you click, click, you milk it as complete. There's like complete. a progress bar you click. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then it shows up like a percentage thing in the list. Huh. Okay. I haven't seen that in any other task manager, and I kind of dig it. No, it's interesting. I, I think I can come back to why that is in a minute. But do, do you uh, have to say in advance, like, this is a task which can be partly completed? No. Like, oh. how do you, do, can you do it on the iPhone? Can you do this thing? Uh, I think Dude. so. How much of what you're saying, Stephen, is exclusive to the Mac or desktop version? As far mm. as I know, everything is everywhere. Mm. Um, okay. Okay. Best I can tell. I think one of the reasons you've not seen that in other places is like this, as much as, you know, I'm sorry to invoke it, just so in in the face of like GTD, right? Which so yeah. many of these systems, go, it's like so wrong because it's like, well, now, actually, that's not one task, right? There's multiple tasks right, in a project. Like, Dave Allen's not the boss of me. So and also I don't think that way either. But I'm saying like I think the reason right. you may not have seen that anywhere else is because if it's like if you think in the more traditional terms of how these systems should be used, you would never work that way. Yeah. But now literally you've said that and now I that is the feature that's now made me just go and download this application. That is actually also the, the thing that stood out the most <laughs> to me. It's like no, because I totally I totally... It's truly different, right? Everything else that you said so far, it's like, like whatever. okay, what is their interpretation of the features that everybody else has? But that thing, because I also do it all the time, like I have something, for example, that is due on a specific day, but I, pre I prepare for it in advance, right? So that when I need to do it, it's the work is already done, except that I don't want to mark it as complete because maybe I'm risking that mm -hmm. on the day off, I'm going to forget. So it's like partially complete actually makes a lot of sense and also like mm -hmm. keep talking it's such a normal way of of working now and i think we yeah. all probably have this where you have tasks that are dependent on somebody else doing something yeah. Yeah. so part of the task is you asking for it or you do you know like which is exactly the example that you gave Stephen. but that's become such a more normal way of working that I think is is more is much more modern. Right. But like you, you communicate with somebody and say, I need a thing, and then you're waiting for it to come back. So technically, you've done your part, or maybe all you need to do, but th the task isn't complete until that other person does what they're supposed to what do. What I love is that and we are explaining tick, 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 Stephen. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just trying to like, we're talking about why yeah, know, in general this is a a, yeah. a a thing that people might want. Yeah, or some people want. may put like a tag on it, like waiting. It's like, I don't like yeah. tags in any system. So no. No. this has jumped out at me as something unique and kind of useful. Mm. Uh, you've got, you can do subtasks too, which yeah. like, I could make that a task and a subtask, right? Like get con sponsorship content and be like subtask one, email them, subtask two, put it in Google Docs. Like I don't, just don't think that way. Yeah, me too. Uh, I've tried the I've... subtask thing like before, 
And basically what I like to do is just write the entire thing and all the subtasks in the task name. And then that's just how I work. Yeah. Like I don't like the subtask model. Yeah, I, I mean, sub, it, subtasks are just separate tasks holding hands. It's it's silly. Like at that point, just <laughs> <laughs> at that point, just create multiple tasks and sort them so that, that they stick closer together. Agreed. A couple other things that I really like in the task subs, uh, subscription, in the task description, you can use Markdown. And so I sent y'all uh, a screenshot of this, but um, I sometimes, like if I need to post a show or something, I may just keep a bunch of links that I need handy and I could just like make a little Markdown list of them. Um, and it's just a nice way to like just have, you know, progress or something associated with a task. And I like Markdown, so... It's got it's got markdown yep. markdown. That's something I definitely miss from switching from Todoist to OmniFocus. Yeah, Todoist has it, but Todoist like it really treats descriptions as comments, and so they get all tagged with like a time and a date. I don't necessarily need that. Um, so the description is a little more flexible, I think. Stephen, can you mix and match like in the same list? Can you view both uh, tasks and calendar events? So I don't calendars are one things that I don't mix into my mm. uh, into my task manager, but yes, you can. So like right mm. now I'm in today, and I see all my calendar items, and I see my tasks intermixed nice. okay. by time. So like I have edit and publish connected and connected pro due at four thirty. That is in between pick my kid up from school and then like a board meeting I have this evening. So it does it in time order, which is cool. The, are you are you on Salesforce, Stephen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, well, well, I guess while I'm here, so it does have calendar integration. I don't use it. It has a Pomodoro timer, which like I don't care about. Yeah, and the only place where Pomodoro has to go is on pizza. Mm. Oh, track it, yes. time tracking. It's the tomato timer. The tomato is the universal symbol for Pomodoro timers. Mm. Yep, you can. Do habit tracking, which I don't do. Well, I kind of do, but in a paper notebook. But if you wanted to create habits to track and tick tick, you can do that. I don't care about it. So, and what's cool, if you turn those things off, they disappear from the UI. So it's not like I have like a calendar tab and it's just empty. Like there's no UI even indicating that this app could show me calendars, which I think is helpful. What's the shortcut support like? Yeah. Shortcut support is pretty good. So you can uh, bring things in. So I've got a couple of like save to the TickTick inbox, save to a certain list. Uh, I've talked about this before, but I, I have a shortcut to like a link anywhere on my phone. Like I want to link to it on 512. So put it in the 512 list due today. And that works really well. Uh, it also has some shortcuts for, or shortcut support, I guess, uh, things that have been well, donated to shortcuts. What's the verbiage, like the intents? Yeah, and the wait. Do you mean parameters or like? Yeah, yeah, like the actions you can you can take. Um, okay, yeah. Actually. There are several others. You you can um, get tasks from a list. So if you had like one of those daily boot up shortcuts, it could show you a task from any list. You can open any list or calendar directly. You can start or stop the Pomodoro timer, check in the habit, that sort of thing. So. It's it's pretty good. I think it's probably on par with something like Todoist in terms of what you can do with it with shortcuts. Um, and you can also get stuff into it via Zapier, which I, I do quite a bit of. Widgets? 
It's got widgets. They're pretty basic. Um, okay. I think they look nicer than Todoist's. You know, Todoist has like some weird text rendering stuff in their iOS widgets, but it's simple enough. I've got a small one on one homepage, and it kind of shows me the next three or four things, uh, and it works well enough. What about so? One of the things that I really like about using Good Task is that it, fo- it uses reminders as its database, which means that when, whenever I want to save a new task quickly. I can just talk to my Apple Watch. I can say, remind yeah. me about this. And because it's all based on reminders, it shows up uh, in Good Tasks too. Does it have an Apple Watch app? Does it have Siri integration that even if I got to say in TickTick, remind me about this? Like how quickly can you save stuff? Pretty quick. So it does have an Apple Watch app and it can show you the list that you want and you can quickly input things with your voice. Uh, the iPhone app, or I guess the iOS app, has two different ways you can use it with Siri. You can do the first one you said, where you can basically tell it, oh, okay, tell your phone just to remind me, and TickTick will scrape the reminders inbox and then just move those things into the TickTick inbox and then get rid of them in reminders. Or you can say, add so and so to my list in TickTick. I've tried both; they work basically as one you know as well as each other so i use the in tick tick version because i do use apple reminders for like very specific types of things and so i kind of want to keep that a little bit separate but uh, it offers both which is which is nice you can kind of work the way you want to tell us why we're not going to like it yeah there's got to be some stuff there has to be a catch that you know like i don't know ipad support maybe there's no pointer integration or something mm. Uh, that's a good question. Let's see. I have my iPad here. Yeah, it's like, what are we not going to like? There's got to be some stuff we're not going to like, right? Because right now, you're painting the picture of this is the best to-do app ever made. You know, it sounds fantastic. Every part of it sounds great. Okay, so the the trackpad support is very basic. It doesn't do anything to, like, change shapes or anything, mm. but it, it does work. It's just not fancy. Mm. iPad keyboard shortcuts? Uh, it has... Um, it has a couple. It's got, uh, hmm. like, command N will give you a new one. And I'm trying to see. I'm trying to pull up the shortcut thing. It's got a few. Um, it definitely could be better on the iPad, but it's perfectly functional. But, like, totally fine. Some people won't like that it has its own sync, I think. I think some people like that it syncs atop of Reminders or CloudKit, or you can choose, you know, like, the to-do app, to you know, to-do, you can sync on iCloud or Dropbox or whatever. This is a service with an app. So, you, you know, you've got to know and you got to trust them with your data. Some people won't like that. Like a lot of these apps, it's free with a premium subscription. And I, I think where they draw the line between free and premium is a little stingy. You know, it's like it's like 28 bucks a year. So it's kind of in line with what Todoist is, I think. And I think some people, I think maybe y'all in particular Will like won't like that it has all these other features that you don't want or need, but but because you can turn them off and they basically disappear, it really hasn't bothered me that much. But I think that would bother some people, knowing that this app does a lot more than what they're using it for. I don't know how that could annoy people if you can turn them off and don't have to see them anymore. Outside, out of mind. Well, maybe it's just like the the overhead. Maybe the, I don't the know. The principle um, of it that the, this company is also working on all these other features. Getting distracted. Right. Yeah. That's more what I mean. Yeah. Like, why are they spending time on a tomato timer? I don't need that. Right. But that only bothers me if there are core problems with the main application. Right. Mm -hmm. I will say the Apple Watch app could be more robust. It's pretty simple. And at least in the current release, there's this weird thing where 
it puts overdue task at the bottom and not the top of the list. And I've contacted them and they say that that's like a known thing. So I think that's just a temporary bug. But the Apple Watch app is is relatively straightforward. Um, there's not a lot of customization you can do there, which with Todoist and with others, you can really like f- more finely control the Apple Watch app. But it, it's basic, but it gets it gets the job the job done just fine. It looks cross platformy, like it doesn't really look Mac ish, but neither does Todoist. I would argue neither does Good Task really. Good Task this on the Mac looks like Good Task. It is a native app, so it's not, best I can tell, it's not Electron, but it's definitely not super native-y feeling, but unless you're using OmniFocus or Things, that's pretty much par for the course. Yeah, there's no such thing as Mac-like. Like, you know, like OmniFocus, I spoke about it before, the Mac app, not good. Doesn't look nice. <laughs> Doesn't really feel that great in a lot of places. Like, okay, great, it's a native application, but like... It's not an, a particularly nice one to use, right? Like, you know, there is no such thing as Mac-like anymore. So it's got URL schemes, if you're into that. That's exciting. On the Mac? On iOS. I'm looking at this blog post from their company blog. 20 lesser-known tick-tick features. Uh, let's see. Set time to a task based on flexible time zone options. Nice. That's a good one to have. I like that. See how many days are left for a task with countdown mode. They call Pomodoro POMO, which I'm, I don't like when, when people have those yeah, kinds of like abbreviations. Like when people say, <laughs> let's have a combo or let's do a pod. It's like, no, please don't. But okay. So if you did a show together about time tracking, it would be a POMO collab, POMO colo pod. I'm trying to put all those words together. A POMO, a POMO pod. It's a Pomopod. Pomopod. Pub, pub, sub, hubbub. <laughs> what? Remember that? What? What did you say? Pub, sub, hubbub. What's what I... Pub, sub. Oh, I remember pub, what... Sub, I know what you... Pub, pub, sub, Pub, hubbub. sub, hubbub. Hub, hub. <laughs> yep. It's a Google thing. Sure. An uh, open, simple, web scale, and decentralized pub, sub protocol. protocol. It's now... <laughs> pub, sub. It's now just called web sub, which is so much sad. Like, why call it... Why, pub, sub, hubbub was fine. Why didn't you call that years ago? Okay. Um, yeah. Well, the Google Pub Sub Hub Hub Hub. Pub, uh, <laughs> pub Sub cr- Hub Bub Hub. Hold on, I'm reading these 20 lesser known features. Quickly arrange today's tasks with Plan Your Day. So there's a feature called Plan Your Day. Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I just have a list named Today mm. that works for me. Okay. But you can, like, if you had a lot of things due in, the, in today, you could, like, bring certain things over to that different view. Okay. So he, here's my question for you, Stephen, and be honest. Is it one of those apps that when you use it on iOS, it looks kind of weird and web appy? Or does it feel like an actual native app? Yes. It, it looks weird? It looks cross-platformy, but other than, like, I guess the iPad cursor support stuff, like, click and drag and drag and drop, and, like, it, it feels native, but it looks just like their Android app. Like, the app looks the same everywhere. Okay. So is that similar to Todoist, right? Like Todoist yes. feels like a native app, but it looks nothing like iOS apps. I think out like of typical. all of them, most similar to Todoist. Okay. Is it true that there's a Kanban view? There is. So you can take oh, any list okay. and you can view it in Kanban view and uh, and section things off into different categories or different columns, I guess. 
Uh, so I know uh, Todoist added that last year, I think, and uh, TikTok has it as well. So this is now. Can, so you can can you can can ban ban Subhub in TikTok. So this is now a TikTok podcast. Oh my gosh! The multiple multiple reminders or annoying alert. Yep. I imagine annoying alert is like due, right? I think so. I haven't played with that. Mm. One thing I have played with is you can customize the snooze. And so if, if something reminds you at 11 and you want to push it back 30 minutes, like you can customize those quick actions um, pretty pretty easily. <laughs> oh, man. Matt in the Discord has just posted, you know, the Always Sunny in Philadelphia <laughs> meme. That is perfect. <laughs> this is the gang switches to TikTok. <laughs> That's perfect. Ah, uh, this looks nice. Counter argument: When we were uh, when we when we mentioned, some people may be concerned that this company is trying too many things and they may be distracted. You can play white noises, white noises inside. I just, me and you hit tick, the tick. same part of the website <laughs> at the exact same time. <laughs> I was like, hang on a minute. Why is there a white noise feature in this application? Well, it's for the Pomodoro timer. Okay. That, that those two things would go together because Pomodoro is about focusing intently on work for a set period of time and you're supposed to leave the timer up viewable to you. Um, I believe. And so having white noise kind of makes sense. You would pair them together, right? I'm going to focus 15, 20 minutes on this one project. I will now put on white noise to help me focus. I understand why you would put those two things together. I just don't Mm. know if it needs it. But if you want to be the one-stop shop for somebody's productivity, a timer, it's not a huge overhead of resources to put into the application, right? Right. It wants to be like, so this app wants to be like a like a centralized dashboard for all kinds of yeah. productivity, I guess. Uh, tasks, events, and everything in the middle of that. Yeah, you can even like keep notes in it. But again, if you don't want any of that stuff and you turn it off, you don't you don't see like the shell of those features anywhere. Which, which I like. Since you guys seem so interested in it, there is import function from Todoist, from Microsoft To Do, from Wonderlist, from OmniFocus, from Toodaloo, and from iCal. Wunderlist, which is dead. Like, that's gone now. Wunderlist. Uh, all of those import features never work as good as you no. hope they will. But Yeah, it, I, I just end up, like, taking an hour and just rebuilding yeah. <laughs> from scratch. Oh... But uh, mm. there you go. I've been I've been really happy with it over the last month or so. Oh, oh, it's brought up in the Discord. It also has start dates, which Todoist famously does not have. So if you're one that needs a span on a task, so like I could do this Wednesday through Friday, but it's due Friday, you can do that in uh, TickTick. I don't work that way, but uh, if you do, it's there. Start dates are also called defer. It, it, in OmniFocus, yeah. in different applications and different systems, yeah, so. or duration. But why are we only discovering this service in 2021? I it's kind of been on my radar for a while, but one day I was like, I had I had real work to do that I didn't want to do, and I switched. <laughs> I know I heard this before because MKBHD mentioned it in a in a bunch of videos. He always talks about it, and like so much so that even in the App Store page, like in the first sentence, they reference him. Like I'm sure he's sent them a ton of business. Yeah. And I think in my mind, I've always thought of TickTick as a good Android option, mm. and I I've never thought to look at it. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I've downloaded it. I mean, I can. Uh, I guess I'm going to start playing around with it. Yeah, I'd be interested to know what y'all, uh, what y'all think. I'm going to try it. I'm setting an OmniFocus task to check out TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's it. Uh huh. If you want to find links to the stuff we spoke about, head on over to the website, uh, relay.fm slash connected slash 338. While you're there, you can send us an email with feedback or follow-up. You can become a member, get Connected Pro. That is a longer ad-free version of the show we do each and every week. Uh, This week, we talked about the right place to put the dock in macOS we talked about the time we saw an iPhone 10 before it was released and a weird art installation in Chicago. It's pretty good. Oh, and we, we gave a critical breakdown uh, of the system preferences iconography in macOS. Yes. This is a very busy pre-show this mm-hmm. week. So, uh, so go check that out. You can find all of us online. You can find Federico on Twitter as Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. He is the editor-in-chief of MacStories.net. Uh, Federico, I'm looking forward to reading your iOS 14.5 coverage Thank you. Thank when, you. That, when that ships, whenever that ships. Yeah. 75,000 words. <laughs> well, no, but it's not going to be a short one. Yeah. Of course it's not. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Federico, I do have a, a question for okay. you. If you woke up and you were suddenly wealthy enough, you didn't have to work anymore... Mm was the first thing you would do. Not like what would you do ultimately, like buy a boat and live on the beach, but like first thing in the morning, you get a text message from your bank saying you don't have to work anymore. Like, what would you do? Why would the bank be the person to so the bank tells this? me. <laughs> I feel like if you become independently wealthy, your banker texts you. Just like, hey. Okay. Uh, all right. Fine. All right. I don't know. I, like, would you expect me to be like original and say something that... that... No. No, be you. Well, okay. So, here's the thing. Like, like what I would do. Yeah, I would, I would probably pay off my house like first thing. I'm gonna be boring and say like if I were, so like totally rich, like like Bill Gates rich. Yeah, like you don't ever have to worry about money again, and your grandchildren will never have to worry about money. All right, cool. So the first thing I would do is I would just buy a buy an apartment that like like the dream apartment in Rome, right? So like I would get the kind of house that like if I was a millionaire, I would buy in, in Rome. Yeah. Well, it's it's like there's a list of things that I would do right away. I would say the house is the first one. And then I would probably <laughs> get a new car. <laughs> like I want to actually want to get a bunch of cars. Um uh, t- so you bought an apartment with no garage? No, no, no. I, obviously, there has to be a garage. There has to be a garage for like. Mo- Jerry Seinfeld lives in an apartment, and he has lots of cars. You can make it work. And a 20th anniversary Mac. Yep, you can make it work. Like I wanna, I wanna get, I wanna get a. Uh, also, the apartment has to have like a, like a movie theater slash giant video game room. It's a big apartment. So it's more, I, I guess it has to be a house. So, but the problem with living in a house is like, I'm scared of not having neighbors. So like it can be a house, but there has to be somewhere, someone nearby. Or, or I can have my own 24-7 security. There you go. That is also a dream of mine. Like get super rich and have like constant security Bloody around. God. 
Like, a bodyguard? Yeah, like bodyguards, huh. but also security, but like the front gate. There's always somebody. But there also has to be, like I thought about this, there also has to... <laughs> these are the things I, oh, I think clearly. about. There has to be, like, when you think about it, security for security. Because what if the security guy eventually gets jealous and wants to kill you? So, like, there has to be oh somebody God. keeping an eye on the security guy. So, like, you Who's gotta... watching that You guy? gotta have, like, a two-prong system for... If you wanna what have, about like, three prongs? What about the second... What if the second prong... Yeah, what if prong one and prong two, they gang up on What you? I'm saying... Yeah, that's the concern. So, like, you gotta have... Mm. You gotta have some kind of layering system for your own security people because those people may also be out to get you if you're super rich. Um, so the house, but there has to be somebody, someone... Like, I don't want to... Like, what if something happens to me in the middle of the night and I start screaming and nobody hears me? Like, that is not good. So either neighbors or multiple levels of security. Then I want then So hang on a second. Hang on a second. It's a busy I just, morning. I just no, I just need to, to, to draw a line here. So Federico, what would you do if you got a text message from your bank that said you're wealthy? Da, 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 da. I might wake up in the night screaming and who's gonna be there? <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure we're we're staying on track here. <laughs> so you know the things we think about. I'm just trying to contextualize the thing. Uh -huh. um, no, it's good. So the this house, the house, the house. Then a beach house, like my own beach right. house. Then a bunch of cars. Like I want to go security? then security. Like I want to go visit my friends, like a manager and Maserati, and I want to walk in there and be like, "Give me five cars, and I'm gonna pay cash. I don't care. I'm super rich, and I'm gonna buy five Maserati cars just like that." You wouldn't have the cash. Well, it's in right? the bank account. Well, that's not cash. Well, I mean, I Is got it? the money. Just paying for it. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not taking a loan out. He's paying for. Or him. I could have like a bunch of duffel bags. That my own security guy takes, like, it's paying cash. <laughs> I don't think they would take that. <laughs> Why not? Right? <laughs> because, <laughs> what? Like, they're, they're just ready to accept, like, 1.5 million euro? Like, no one can accept <laughs> that type of cash. You just have it in a backpack and be like, here you go. Yeah, whatever. That's going to be a wire transfer then. And lastly, for, like, the morning of... I would probably acquire my own dog park. Like, I, I'm going to have my own facility for letting dogs play and just hang around. Like, I want right. to have my own dog park. Just a, guard, a garden? It's not also enough? What In I your want, house also, that you're buying? You know what? Well, no, it's, it has to be... Well, it can be... I got to decide. It can be by the house or it can be elsewhere. Also, what I want to have... Like, I don't have... <laughs> I didn't go to university, right? But I want to end up... I want to buy a degree. I want to buy... No, <laughs> I want my... I want Italy to, like... Because I'm so rich, right? And I'm so important. Like, I want to be one of those people that receives a degree without going to university. Mm, right. You should just buy a wing of, like... I'm going to buy a wing of the university? Like, now what? You're going to give me a degree or what? It's like, yeah. Yeah, honor an honorary doctorate in being and wealthy. Uh, and and they give you, like, when, when they do those ceremonies, they give you, like, that, that fancy coat or something, uh, the fancy yep. hat and everything. I want to have that. 
You should. I mean, like, look, you come from a. Does Viterbo have a university? They do. You, you've got to try and get chummy with the, mm. with like the dean of Viterbo University because you've got to be one of the most world-renowned people from Viterbo. Sure. Right. I, I guess you got to try and learn who who's the journalism professor at Viterbo University. Well, I'm not a journalist, right? Right. Try and get that person and find them on LinkedIn. <laughs> I got to log into LinkedIn again. Yeah, find find the journalism professor at Viterbo University. You can get your honorary degree. Look, if you're that rich, someone can log into LinkedIn for you. You don't have to see that again. No, I'm talking about he should do this part now. Like mm. this is this is the thing in current day Federico's life. Get get your paper, son. Like the actual paper, which says you got a degree on it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So that, that that's a busy morning for finding out you're a billionaire. I guess. Yeah. It's very productive. There's a bunch of extras that we can talk about in the future, like having my own tattoo studio, which is also an investment that I like. I'm dreaming to like. I have you know, I own the tattoo place now. Hiring, hiring a private chef and then firing the person immediately, saying, I cook better than you. Uh, <laughs> 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 bunch of things like wow. that. Bunch of things like that. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Is it the University of Naples, Federico II? This is what they've dug up in the Discord. It's called the Tusha University because it's the, the, lo- the local area where Viterbo and, and nearby towns are located. It's called Tusha, T-U-S-C-I-A. Um, I believe it's called University of Tusha, something like that. Um, but it's in Viterbo, yes. It's, it, yeah, it's actually very nice. You've got a 5001 error trying to go to their website. It doesn't seem good. Maybe you should have started the day with a donation to, yeah, the, to the university. <laughs> think so. Maybe we just brought their website down mm. just by everyone Maybe. in the Discord Googling Maybe. it. You can find Mike online, I-M-Y-K-E on Twitter. Mike hosts a bunch of shows here on Relay FM, and he hosts the Cool Kids Keyboard Club mm-hmm. most Fridays at Mike.Live over on Twitch. Yep. Thank Big you. keyboard energy over there. Big keyboard energy. You can find me online as ISMH, and I write over at 512pixels.net. I want to tell you about another show on Relay FM that you may enjoy, and that is Make Do. You don't have to monetize your hobbies, but if you want to, uh, Make Do is ready to be your cheerleader. Listen as you hobby with Tiff Armit and Julia Scott at relay.fm slash make do, or search for Make Do wherever you get your shows. I'd like to thank the sponsors of this episode of Connected. They are Pingdom, ExpressVPN, and Delete Me. Until next week, guys, say goodbye. Cheerio. Bye, y'all.